Hello and welcome to Witchy Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Lauren Cholantani, women's holistic health coach and fellow recovering perfectionist. This podcast was created to show you that your body is not in the way, it is actually leading your way. Welcome back to Witchy Wellness. You are listening to episode 188, Holistic Gut Health with Dr. Peter Kusklowski. I am very particular about the type of CBD and hemp products that I use. There's so much hype and lack of testing and quality in the industry. So the company that I love and use is Evo Hemp. Not only do they have a beautiful product like hemp seeds, CBD oil, gummies, even hemp chocolate, protein bars, protein powder. They also support a 40-acre co-op farm in Minnesota, which is farmer-owned, focusing on bringing quality and innovation back to Black, Indigenous, and other socially disadvantaged farmers. So if you are looking into trying any type of CBD or hemp products, head over to evohemp.com. The link is in the show notes and make sure you use code witchy, W-I-C-T-H-Y for 20% off of your purchase. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Wishy Wellness Radio. Again, I am your host, Lauren, and this is a show you get to learn how your body is not in the way, but actually leading your way. And today we are talking with Dr. Peter Kozlowski, almost said my best friend's name. He is a functional medicine doctor and uses a broad array of tools to find the source of the body's dysfunction. And he takes the time to listen to his patients and plots their history on a timeline concerning what makes them unique and co-creating with them for a truly individualized care plan. We're going to talk today all about gut health, how to quickly and easily crack the mysteries of gut health in order to drastically improve your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. We all know an upset gut and upset stomach doesn't make anybody happy, let alone healthy. Um, Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. Yeah. And I, for me, this is like near and dear to my heart because it's something that I struggled with from childhood until adulthood. And once I got that right, it's like, oh my gosh, how much I never knew how good I could feel in all different areas of my life, just having a happy gut. (laughs) Absolutely. That's awesome. I'm glad you found the happy gut. Yeah. Happy gut, happy life. Everybody says happy wife, happy life, but it's a happy gut. I I think, (laughs) I mean, uh, hormonally as well. Um, But anyway, uh, how did you get into like functional medicine and and gut health? Did you know, like you wanted to go into functional medicine right away? Not at all. Um, My parents are both doctors from Poland. Uh, They, they immigrated. I was born in the U S and, uh, always wanted to be a doctor, but didn't really have my stuff together when I was 18 and kind of just like to party. And so I never really pursued medicine. And then eventually my best friend, uh, got diagnosed with lupus and passed away three months later, um, during our senior year of college. And that kind of motivated me to look at medicine again. Um, so then I pursued it. And once I pursued it, I mean, I, I, was as traditionally minded as could be. That's, I just believed in like prescribing meds and doing what they told me. 
And then um, my own health uh, deteriorated. And that's the story for pretty much 100% of medical doctors who go into functional medicine. The difference between me and them is that uh, I did not have a physical disease. I have mental disease. Uh, I'm in recovery from alcohol abuse. And when I was an intern in residency, I took, I was trying to stop drinking and I had no clue how to do it um, because I couldn't even admit there was a problem. I didn't think there was a problem because I was in residency. Everything was going well in my life. And I just liked to like party on the weekends, um, but I didn't know how to deal with life. So I took a six week leave and I went to a treatment program um, for alcohol abuse and it was life-changing. It was, it obviously was a big deal and it changed my life, but the whole point of treatment was why, like, why do you drink? Why do you want to drink? Um, why can't you stop? And it's all about the, it was all about underlying causes for me. It was like trauma just from being a first generation American and trying to fit in, uh, in American public schools. Um, and that's, that's where it started. And then it developed other areas. I'm a perfectionist and, and very hard on myself. And, and, um, so I uncovered all these things and, and through that, it helped me figure out how to stop drinking. And so that idea of underlying cause, another thing is like what at treatment we were doing like half a day to a full day of group therapy. We were doing acupuncture. We were doing meditation, yoga, all this stuff that I thought was full of crap, like stuff that I made fun of that. I was like, you just need to find the right meds. We we're doing all these things. And I was enjoying them. I was like, wow, this, this is actually helping me. Um, and then when I went back to residency and I started working again, uh, with a more open mind, we as residents are taught by different attending physicians, sometimes many in a day, sometimes you're with one a week or one a month, they all have a little bit of a different style. I worked with a guy, his name's Dr. Batra, who every patient that was admitted to the hospital, he would make us start a multivitamin and vitamin D. And we would make fun of him. We thought it was a joke that we had to waste our time uh, when we could be writing blood pressure meds or opiates or all that other stuff. And I asked him one day, I was just like, Dr. Batra, like, why are you weird? What are you doing? And, and he's like, I'm studying functional medicine. Um, so he took me to the website. This was like at 2 AM on a Sunday night in the hospital. And maybe I was delirious or maybe it was just like, I was like, okay, I'll check this out. Um, so I signed up for a conference and within the first hour, I just knew that I couldn't look at medicine the same. Everything was taught from a anatomy, a physiology, a biochemistry level, everything made sense. And I was kind of just looking around, like, why are we not talking about any of this, uh, throughout medical school and residency? Um, so I, another thing that happened at the first conference is I was, I was the youngest person there. I was still an intern in residency, um, at least career-wise. I don't know if I was the youngest age, but career-wise I was an intern and there was all these surgeons and, and neurologists and ophthalmologists and, and all these doctors like that were well into their careers. And I was confused again. I was like, why are you guys here? Like, what are you guys doing here? Like, this doesn't make sense. And, the, and everybody was like, this is the future. This is where you should focus your career. And so I took a chance. Um, I was mostly like exiled from my friends from medical school. Luckily, 
like my parents thought I was kind of nuts, but they uh, were just like, whatever, if you, if you want to do this, do it. Um, my residency program was super supportive. Uh, so my residency director, I went back and I told him, I was like, Hey, I really want to focus the next three years on this. And he was like, sure. However, we can help you. Um, so just kind of kept day by day learning. And, and then I finished residency and I, I've been out in private practice on my own since 2014, um, with some awesome stories and some awesome success that I know I would have never accomplished, um, just using my traditional medicine toolbox. Um, but if you would have told me that that's, this is what I'd be doing, I would have said you were nuts. And that's how life happens. Usually it's just the dark night in the soul or that, that pivotal moment that you can either become, keep going down that route or, or, or change completely different, not even recognize yourself a year, two years later. Yeah. And it just takes one step at a time. What, you know, changing one thought at a time or, you know, depending what you eat you think it's just as important. Um, so can we give a little bit more in-depth description on functional medicine and, you know, how that pertains to approaching gut health differently as well? Absolutely. <clears throat> functional medicine, the main difference between it is we are not treating symptoms. If you've had any experience going to your general family practice doctor you go in, you tell them what symptoms you have, and then you get a list of medications that will improve those symptoms. You get 10 to 15 minutes with the doctor, um, and then you're kind of off on your own. And functional medicine, I listen to someone's symptoms. Um, we go over their life history, starting from when they were in utero uh, to where they're at now. We go through everything. Um, before someone comes to see me, they fill out 40 pages of intake paperwork that I spend, uh, sometimes hours going through before a visit. Um, and we do not focus on the symptoms. I frequently tell people, I'm like, this is not the easy way. This is the hard way. I do not have a magic pill that's going, I've had a couple, but you typically, I don't have a magic pill that's going to make you feel better tomorrow. Um, this is going to be a process. And what we're going to do is figure out what is inflaming your body. And when we eliminate that, your body will heal. The other way is that what does your body not have enough of? So are you like low in thyroid? Are you low in progesterone? Are you low in vitamin D? And we basically identify what there's too much of what there's not enough of and balance that out. And that approach for me is the same, whether I'm working with a, the family of an autistic child, whether I'm working with the children of a parent that's uh, going into dementia, whether that's something that comes to me for Hashimoto's or gut issues. Um, we are not focusing typically on the diagnosis. A lot of times I'll say, I don't even care what your diagnosis was. Um, and we are focusing on what and why. Um, so that's the difference. And it is not, we don't, I, I use medications. I don't use them frequently, um, but I do believe 
um, that there's a spectrum of functional and, and traditional medicine. And you'll find people that are super on one end of the spectrum or the other. I usually fall in the middle um, in regards to, I do think there's a place for meds or hormone replacement if, if needed. Um, but at the same time, I'm definitely not like, okay, everybody needs to get prescribed a med just to feel better tomorrow. Um, so that, that's what it is. So I, I, functional medicine at its core should be preventative medicine. I, I should only be seeing people that are healthy, that don't want to get sick. 99.9% of people I see have autoimmune disease or eight years of gut issues or, um, dementia onset or, you know, whatever condition. And they've been to six other doctors. They've been to Mayo clinic. They've been to Cleveland clinic and the unit, the local university hospital. And they're like, screw it. I'll try this functional medicine. Like I'm out of options. So it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It makes the, you know, it's once disease has started, it, it's difficult to turn it around. I mean, luckily we do have success with a lot of different things, but, um, true functional medicine should be preventative medicine in my opinion. Yeah. So I think, I think all healthcare should, but you know, I, I think that if we can change our minds, our perspective, I mean, I do think emergency medicine is needed. That's obviously yes. not going to be preventative right. um, by any means, but if we just change our perspective of what healthcare, what health means to us, and not to normalize all these symptoms with pills. And I do think there's a time and place. Yeah. Like, you know, I have friends who have bad anxiety and they're working through that. They're doing the inner work. They're, you know, seeing therapists, they're meditating, they're changing their diets and readdressing the gut health. But right now they still need to take a little bit of their anti-anxiety medicine because it's still too much. There's no magic pill to completely go away. And I tell people that's okay. Like, you know, obviously we're a practitioner, but like, don't guilt yourself over like going cold Turkey either. I think is the perspective of going from this huge, this Western perspective to say lack of better term Eastern or, you know, more ho sure. ho uh, holistic approach. You don't, you don't have to be either or what, what works best for you right now in your body. And what works today might not be what works six months from now. Exactly. The only thing we have that's guaranteed in life is change. And so things will change with your health and what, you know, maybe being vegan right now is perfect for you, but a year from now it might not be. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And it's funny because I've been plant-based on and off for about, oh gosh, how old? 17 years. but. I, like right now I'm mostly vegan, but if I, sometimes I eat fish, if I want to eat fish or if I feel my body, it fluctuates depending on what I'm going through and what my body is healing. And I don't like putting labels on that because you get into like the guilt and the the yeah. shame. And I think, especially the vegan community, although I eat mostly plants. They can be very mean. <laughs> My, my my best friend from high school is a vegan celebrity. His name's Johnny Juicer. Uh -huh. He's got, he's got a huge like Instagram following, and I've I've just seen how mean people can be to each other when you're, you know, just talking about just eating plants and not animals. But um, yeah, it, it, it 
I'm, I don't believe in that. And I believe that, you know, in just everybody's different and you got to find what's right for you. Yeah. And finding what's right for you, obviously working with a practitioner like yourself really helps you narrow it down, but elimination diets, at least in my world are very, they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, what are elimination diets and, and are they actually effective as well? So when we're looking at someone from a functional medicine standpoint, there's five areas that we look and they are food, gut health, hormonal imbalances, environmental toxins, and mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Out of those five, the most important is the last one. Uh, that's what my book, Unfunk Your Gut, is all about, is the mental, emotional, spiritual side of healing the gut. And to me, the other stuff is easy. The admitting that there's a problem, working on a problem, that's the, that those are the areas where my patients meet resistance and they just want the right diet or the right supplements. And I always tell them that there's not really any hope for you to improve significantly over the long term if you don't make the mental, emotional, spiritual health the focus of your health. Um, the other five are easy to identify. So with food, with the elimination diet, we are testing for food sensitivities. When your body reacts to a food, you could be allergic, you can have celiac disease, or you could have a sensitivity. Different type of immune response is created. Allergies are due to IgE antibodies. Celiac is IgA antibodies. Sensitivities are IgG antibodies. Sensitivities are the most difficult because the regular medical world doesn't believe in them. There is no reliable testing, in my opinion. There's a lot of labs that promote food sensitivity tests. Uh, they say they could test you for 200 foods. I've never ordered one of those in my career. I think they're a waste. Um, and the reaction is delayed hours to days after eating the food. So that's the most important part because people would be like, well, no, I eat gluten and I feel fine. Or my doctor also told me I don't have celiacs. I don't have a gluten issue, but you could be eating a bagel every day for breakfast and you have eczema and, or you have migraines and then you go to your doctor and you get a pill for the migraines, which then destroys your gut health. So then you get a pill for your gut and then you're depressed because your gut is in bad shape. So then you're on an antidepressant and the whole time you're eating that bagel every morning and you have no clue. So that is the main problem with sensitivities besides that there's not a good test for them is, is that they, you will never know. You can live your whole life uh, and never know you have a sensitivity. Allergies can kill you, right? If you're allergic to peanuts and, and you don't have an EpiPen around, um, you can die. I think sensitivities are even more dangerous because they basically cause like a long, slow death. Um, and so an elimination diet is how you diagnose food sensitivities. It is 21 days of cutting out um, the biggest offending foods and then adding them back in one by one using a tracking journal. The, my, I'm always a why person. And my first question is, is why 21 days? That seems like a totally made up number. Why are we doing that? Um, it is because everything in your body has a half-life. That is the clearance time whether you drink alcohol or use prescription meds or take hormones, uh, your own hormones that your body's making, lead, mercury, mold toxins, everything has a half-life. The half-life of IgG antibodies is about 21 days. So if I had a bagel today and I have 100 antibodies floating around against gluten, 
if I completely avoid the gluten for the next 21 days, my immune response will cut in half to 50. And then I eat it again on day 22. And the immune system has a very good memory. If it's identified gluten as an invader, it will attack and you will get symptoms. So, um, an elimination diet, if you're working with a functional medicine doctor, and that's not the first step that they take, they're probably not a good functional medicine doctor. Um, unless you come to them and you're like, I've already done elimination diet. I, this is what I'm sensitive to or not. And then you can move on to other stuff, but the overwhelming majority of the time, the functional medicine should typically start with that. Um, and in my book, I give, I have over 50 recipes from one of my patients, uh, who's a chef and been in remission from rheumatoid arthritis for seven years now through diet. Um, so she wrote some delicious recipes and we kind of have a step-by-step guide of, you know, how to do it, what to look for. And that's, uh, I think very, uh, valuable tool. Cause it's something you can do before seeing your doctor and spending the money. And I've seen a number of people that that's all they need is to identify and eliminate the food sensitivity. So elimination diet, great first step in functional medicine, great first step for anybody to try that hasn't done it. And I typically, my wife and I do it once a year, um, because like we were talking, things change and because you're sensitive to something now doesn't mean you will be in a year from now, or just because you're not sensitive now, doesn't mean you might not be in a year from now. Totally, totally agree. And what are some of the, I don't say basic, but top offenders, obviously gluten, soy, dairy, dairy, corn, corn Corn for me is big. Sugar, eggs. Mm -hmm. Eggs, Yeah. Yeah. I can't eat eggs anymore um, for right now. Um, What about, this is a one-off question, caffeine, because hormonally MSs things up. I know. I wouldn't say maybe it's like a elimination diet type thing, but I've taken caffeine out slowly over the past year plus, And I've noticed a lot of benefits to not drinking it. <laughs> so caffeine is eliminated. That, that's it is? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, whether or not someone's sensitive to it, the other issue with caffeine during an elimination diet is, is let's say that your reaction to corn is fatigue, but the day that you're reintroducing corn, you're having three double espressos. You're, you're not going to know. Um, you know, most people, I, I don't know when I hear caffeine, I think of coffee, coffee is super moldy and super toxic. Um, at the same time, I love coffee. I, I, there are large scale studies on hundreds of thousands of people that say coffee drinkers die less of chronic disease than non-coffee drinkers. Just a totally random study, I think, for people that want to support coffee. But um, caffeine, you know, if you are super sensitive to caffeine, that could be a sign of something else going on. So it could be a sign that you're eating another food that you're sensitive to, or maybe you have a toxicity from mold or heavy metals or glyphosate that that's causing your body to overreact. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I've been, um... you can also test the way your body metabolizes caffeine and there's, uh, unlike basic genetic tests, they'll tell you whether you're a slow or fast metabolizer huh. of caffeine. Um, like I know I'd, I've never done the testing, but like for like in my family, I have a cup of coffee and I'm like wired, like I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, like 
my wife or my mom could have a cup of coffee and they can go to bed afterwards. Like, and so they're <laughs> metabolizing it super fast. I would be up all night. Oh yeah. Right there. Right, right there with you. Um, but I love how you address us in your practice and your book, the mind body connection, that emotional, mental, spiritual connection to illness. Let's, mm-hmm. let's like, let's dive in let's switch from them physical, which is still very impactful to this mind-body connection. Because for me, um, I started all of this a decade ago, health coaching. So helping people with basic stuff like that physically. But I was realizing in my own life and in what my clients I was seeing was the amount of stress mm-hmm. and, and that they had in their lives, you know, not taking time to sit down and eat or even just chew your foods or just overall stress management and just being present and grounded while you eat because you, you could eat all the kale in the world or whatever superfood y- of your choice. But you know, if you are so stressed out and fight or flight and your nervous system is on haywire, you're not going to get maximum benefit or in my opinion, heal at all long-term. So this is near and dear to my heart as well. What, how, how do you help your patients in, you know, in your book with that mind-body connection, with that stress management? And it's really just learning learning to work with your nervous system is what I like to think about. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, this is my passion uh, because I'm a perfectionist and I want people to get better that work with me. And this is the biggest thing, I, the reason I see that people don't get better. Um, and I guess as a scientist, I, I like to explain the the connection, right? And the gut-brain connection and why you can't heal your gut um, if you have resentments and traumas and all of this stuff. Um, it kind of comes down to just your vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is the key to your gut health. And your gut is a tube that starts with the mouth, ends with the anus. Um, it is meant for digestion, absorption, and protection. Um It is that tube has openings on both ends. So the most important thing I think people need to understand about their gut is that the inside of your gut is considered outside of your body. If you swallow something like some corn kernels and you poop them out, they've never been in your body. So the gut actually works just like your skin. The difference is, is people wash their hands 20 times in a day, but then they'll throw anything in their gut tube. Well, the gut barrier is a single layer of cells. It is super, super thin. The skin is three different layers of multiple cells. So the skin is very thick. So it's very easy for things that that term leaky gut is that people have that have heard that that basically just means that the barrier of your gut is lost. And then things that are in your environment, um, in your food in your air or whatever can be getting into your body through your gut. And that's, that's why Hippocrates said 3000 years ago, all disease begins in the gut because the gut is basically how the outside world gets into our inside world. And two consistent things that have happened over time is, is the insane uh, rise of chronic disease and the insane rise of chemicals and toxins that we've put into our environment, right? Very strong correlation, but nobody, um, with the power will actually like admit that. Um, so that, that, that's why your gut is so important, but that, that tube is surrounded by something called your enteric nervous system. It is your gut has its own nervous system that has more neurons than your brain does. 
Um, that nervous system controls gut permeability. It controls your microbiome. It controls inflammation and immunity. That nervous system is connected to your brain by your vagus nerve. So if you picture a, basically a highway going from your brain to your gut and your gut to your brain, there are people traveling in both directions. There are signals traveling from the brain to the gut and from the, bra- the gut to the brain. And the vagus nerve runs on your autonomic nervous system, which means automatic. It has two responses and you don't think about them. They're happening in the background. And those responses are sympathetic and parasympathetic responses. Both are amazing responses. It's how we've survived. Sympathetic people are familiar with as fight or flight, which basically the body is, the mind is telling the body today, right now we need to survive. We are in a life or death situation. We are not going to waste energy on our guts. We are going to send all the energy we can to our brain and muscles to figure out how to survive this life or death situation. So for people evolution over time, that was obviously very important because they just lived with different things than we live with. Parasympathetic is when you're relaxed, when you're in rest and digest, that the mind is saying, okay, we're safe. Let's, let's expend the energy we have right now on, on digesting that, uh, breakfast burrito you had this morning or whatever. And so both are good, but neither one is good to be activated long a lot or too much. Right. And so because of social media, because of breaking news, because of pandemics, wars, jobs, emails, texts, people are living as if they're in a life or death situation, 24 seven, we wake up. And the first thing we do is check our phone and it right away, the mind tells the gut, okay, we don't need you today. It's going to be bad for our survival if you exert any energy today. So just shut down. And then we, so we check our phone that starts. And then we sit down for breakfast and we're responding to emails or watching the news. And the gut is like, all right, we got to break down this food. And the mind is like, no, 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 no. This is not the right time. You're in survival mode. And that's it. That that's how the gut falls apart. You stop making stomach acid, your gut becomes leaky, you stop digesting, your microbiome is shut down. On someone's stool analysis, I can see how stressed out they are based on their microbial pattern. Then you start getting dysbiosis and candida and clostridia and SIBO, and you have all these gut inflammatory issues. And before you know it, you're uh, in a rheumatologist's office being diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And it all started from trauma when you were a kid. Um, My definition of trauma that I I learned in therapy was trauma is anything less than nurturing. And so it could be as simple as like coming home from school, wanting to show off your homework, but your parents are both working or they're busy. And that sets off a signal of I'm not good enough, shuts down your gut. You don't know it for five, 10, 20, 40 years. But next thing you know, there's this random disease that's onset. And it's like, why? Um, that's not everybody's story, but that that's a very common story. That is the gut brain connection. That's why it's my passion. Um, it, I think in our functional medicine world that people, um, talk a lot about diet and supplements and testing, all of that stuff is great and fine and needed, but the, the easiest or not the easiest, the most difficult, but the most important part is 
you know, dealing with our issues. And, um, so yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's the gut brain connection. Yeah. I, for me, the, the very least I do is before I eat, I try to take at least three very long breaths, Nice, relaxing, centering myself. And I just go through and if my mind's going a million miles a minute, I go through every single ingredient in my meal and I just send some love to that, nice. so, you know, whoever made it and all that kind of stuff. Because for me, that that's, that's my, that's my default subconscious program. The perfectionist over here too, yeah. of just like having it all together. Everything must be right. Overachiever. Like, can't, I can't, I hold all my emotions in, shuts down my digestive system big time. Yep. Um, but when I'm present and allow myself to feel and it's safe to feel that way, whether I'm eating my food or just an everyday life, that, that, that's, that's the blessing at the, these traumas. Sometimes you think, well, why do I have to heal this? Why, you know, this victim mentality, it's like, no, you get to experience this huge contrast of what it feels like to feel one side of the spectrum. And then the other side of like joy, pleasure, bliss, and you can't just feel one or the other. That's not how life works here. <laughs> I tried for a very long time to only feel the the one side of it. And, yeah. Uh, I still go to that. Like yeah. I I hate being uncomfortable. I hate being, uh, you know, out of control. Uh, mm-hmm. My wife makes fun of me because I've a I've had a a, a remind. I have different reminders on my phone, and one of them that pops up every day at three is let go of control. And she always pokes at me. She's like, "Are you letting go of control?" And I'm like, "No, that's why the reminders there. I try and I try and I try, but it it's it's really hard. It's really hard. Um, like that's something that happened to me in recovery. Is like I'm very much like I get a list of things, I do them and I move on to the next thing. And I did that with recovery. Just like I did everything they told me to, it was great. And then I was like, forget it. I'm on to the next thing. And then the next thing, you know, I was drinking again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's like frustrating, like, God, you can be in therapy for so many years and, and, and try and work so hard. And all it takes is a couple of bad days. And like, so it's, to me, it's like a decision that, um, to, it's something that you have to decide to work on every day when you get up. Um, and many times throughout the day, you kind of have to start over and be like, okay, it's not going well, but you know, I got to get it together. Or multiple times that I get, I do that <laughs> all the time. Like transitioning between, you know, I'm podcasting, whatever I'm going to do next after this, that transition moment for me is a reset moment, especially if I'm mm-hmm. in my head or go, go, go do, do, do mode to just mm-hmm. to, to be mode um the easiest way for me is just to get in my body i mean i love meditating breath work has been so powerful for me just calming down but also clearing a lot of trauma and my favorite thing to do well two favorite things either have a dance party and or i have a little rebound or trampoline in my office nice. just to just jump a little bit and have fun and play and you know yeah let go of that control right <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about, whether it's gut health or mind mind body connection before we start to close on the show? Because I looked at the clock and it's already time to almost <laughs> say goodbye. I, I I mean I I think I you know I 
I look at the gut from a different perspective. Um, sounds similar like to you, but, um, so I like, I think that people, once you have knowledge, then you can make changes. So hopefully people have gained some knowledge about just some basic things about their gut that can make a, a huge, uh, long life lasting difference. And there's many more details in my book on funk your gut, um, in regards to all of this stuff, the science, the evidence, the, the, how to start dealing with it. All of that is there. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Um, we close every single show the same way. How may we, the listeners as an act of gratitude, be of service for you in return today? Do something for your mental, emotional, and spiritual health. You know, whether it's do a gratitude list or um, give your partner or parent or kid a hug um, and and just do something to, um, yeah, be just acknowledge of how important that mental, emotional, spiritual health is to your liver, to your gut, or to your ability to detox or your brain. Um and just do something for yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do something before I jump into my emails after <laughs> this, go. I'm going to go yeah. do something because I'm guilty of that as well. Yeah. Um, but if you guys thought of anybody, a loved one while listening to the show, please, please, please share this episode. You never know what information or one, one sentence can do to change somebody's life. That's why I started this podcast. I had a yeah. lot of awakening moments, hearing things out loud and podcasts. And I wanted to have a platform for others like Dr. Peter to do the same. So please share. If you haven't already, please write a review because this helps us, helps Mm -hmm. us work with that silly algorithm to get this message out there to shine and ripple that high vibration out to us all. But thank you so much for coming on the show and diving into the, the science and some of the not so science stuff with me. I, I like I like a blend of both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> both are important. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And remember, open up, surrender, trust, and let your body lead the way.